We're using the Gospel of Matthew through this season of Lent together, and we turn once again to chapter 8 and pick up in the fifth verse. When Jesus entered his hometown of Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible distress. Jesus said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion then answered, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard him, he was amazed and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the heirs of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you according to your faith. And the servant was healed in that hour. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. <clears throat> Join us in this time together as we speak about this encounter that Jesus had with the centurion. Reveal to us the message that it presents. Help us as we share with one another to learn more about who you are and who we are. Join us by your Holy Spirit in this time we pray, O God. In Christ's name, amen. So how's your health? That's the question we asked last week when we started this sermon series focusing on the healing ministry of Jesus using the first six healing stories in the gospel of Matthew as our guide along the way. How's your health? Last Sunday, we started with Jesus finishing his famous sermon on the mount and as he was coming down the mountain, on his way back to his home, where his now home in Capernaum, a leper approached him and asked him for cleansing. And we reminded ourselves of what a leper was in those days, that they were a people or a, a person who was outcasts. They were outcasts and were excluded from interaction. They were categorized as untouchable due to their condition. They were not allowed full participation in the religious life of Israel. And we talked about how by choosing to heal 
the centurion, the leper, the cleansed the leper. Matthew was in fact from the very beginning, at the very beginning, declaring to us and revealing to us a God who chooses to touch the untouchable. Well, our story today picks up right where that one left off. We find Jesus has now made it all the way back to Capernaum where he was living at the time and no sooner does he make it there that he's now approached by another outsider, a centurion this time. A Roman officer, officer in the Roman army. In other words, a Gentile, someone on the outside, another outsider, someone who's not allowed to fully participate in the religious life of Israel. And the centurion comes to Jesus and says, I have this servant. And so they begin this interesting conversation that has some quirky places in it. I have this servant, the centurion says, and he's paralyzed and is in great distress, to which Jesus' response seems to be, I will go and cure him. But now is when it gets weird. All of a sudden, the, the centurion backs off a little bit, seems to hesitate somewhat. No, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Just, just you know, wave your hand from here. That, that ought to cover it. He kind of has this hesitation feel, this backing off, which is odd, actually, when you think about it. It doesn't quite fit. I mean, after all, this is a Roman centurion. Statements of humility are not what get you promoted to places like that in the Roman army. I mean, they're not known for their meekness. This is not that kind of person, so it's odd that he would state that. And also, evenly awkward, or equally awkward for him to say that because, after all, he's made all this effort to make sure he gets to Jesus in the first place. Why all of a sudden this, this backing off, this weird thing? Something's not quite right here. And something isn't quite right. When you read any commentary or scholarship about this particular passage, what you find is, though, that the thing that's not quite right is not the centurion's posture or response, but actually the, the wrong thing is, or the thing that's off is in Jesus' first response to the request the centurion makes at the very beginning of their conversation. Jesus says to him in our translation, I will come and cure him. But that's not actually the way it should be translated. We kind of got it wrong. Scholars unanimous, almost unanimously agree across the board that the statement Jesus makes to the centurion's first request should not be a statement at all, but instead come that comes in the form of a question, a question. In other words, the conversation actually went like this. Jesus has come into his town of Capernaum. Centurion walks up to him and says, I have this servant who's in great distress and paralyzed, to which Jesus then asks, and I am to come and heal him? Jesus is the one who actually shows hesitation in this conversation. So why do we not get it right? 
Well, one suggestion is that the reason it's put as a statement instead of a question is that we have some trouble with a Jesus who hesitates in cases like this, especially when it's someone is in need and someone who needs Jesus to do something and we struggle with a Jesus who hesitates. But in fact, in Matthew's gospel, that's exactly what happens. It's not the only time Jesus hesitates to help someone else. Later on, we see further instances of that very thing. And the reason for it is that Matthew is, in fact, highlighting and lifting up the distance that exists between the Jews and the Gentiles. By this conversation and Jesus hesitating in the form of a question, it's a highlight of, of the reality of the distance between Jews and Gentiles, that Gentiles were on the outside in Jesus' ministry, of course, in the perception of those around and in the world they were in, and these readers, Jesus is ministering to our people. So it's Matthew's way of, of highlighting that reality. It's also Matthew's way of opening the door to the shocking surprise statement that Jesus makes next. Jesus asks his question, I am becoming you. And the centurion honors that same distance by saying, right, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. I know what authority is about. I order people around all the time. So if you just give the word, it'll all be good. And the next statement is a shocking one. For Jesus says, nowhere in Israel have I found such faith. Nowhere, and that would have surprised everyone. No one would have expected him to say that. They would look right at Eyes would be popping out, and jaws would have been dropping to the ground. And say, what? What did you just say? What? Nowhere? Nowhere else in all of Israel? Not, the, not amongst church leaders or even the deeply religious folk, the most pious of people, not even in your own disciples. Have you seen? You find it here. Here is where you find it in this, 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 this outsider. Here. They would have been shocked. But what Matthew is doing is having Jesus name the problem. By Jesus being hesitant and, and the centurion being humble, Matthew is highlighting the distance between the two people. They will come from east and west, Jesus says, to eat with Abraham and Isaac. People will come from all over, he's saying. They'll eat with them in the kingdom of heaven, and yet the heirs to the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In other words, those who quite often act and act like and believe that they are closest to God are the very ones who are not. Just when we think we have it, we don't have it. The problem is distance. The problem is distance. The distance we create in our own lives, the, the distance we create 
with one another. We're really good at it, actually, creating distance. We come up with all kinds of creative ways and, and categories to separate ourselves out from each other so that we can more easily point the finger and blame. You name it, we've thought of it. Race, language, religion, political views. Where you were born, where you live now, how much money you make, what you look like, gender. We're really good at separating ourselves out from one another. We distance ourselves from each other and make no mistake, when we distance ourselves from one another, we distance ourselves from God. You knew that, right? You did know that. The thing is, we, we feel this distance all the time. When you have this feeling of uneasiness that, that somewhere down, down deep in your soul, you are feeling the distance. When you, when you turn on the news and, and you look at it and say to yourself, why does it have to be this way? You are feeling the distance. When, when you think something negative right off the bat about someone else simply because of who they are, you are feeling the distance. And we do things all the time to try and not feel that distance that's down deep in us, that's, that is the problem. We, we do all kinds of stuff. We eat too much. We drink too much. We, we blame others for our own issues. We, we blame God. We work hard to isolate ourselves from those around us, or at least part of ourselves from those around us. As a way of trying to just get through this distance we feel, but distance is the problem. And Jesus names it. Dr. Scott Morris, the founder of a place called Church Health in Memphis, Tennessee, in an article, wrote about health, he says, what we know about health is that generally people do not get healthier in isolation. We generally do not get more healthy in isolation. In fact, we just don't do well with isolation at all. But community, he says, can counter the hopelessness that we feel when we are isolated or we feel isolated. Community can counter the hopelessness of things like weight or crises of faith or relationships or disease or whatever aspect of life that's going on in your own life that is the symptom of, of your distance. The, the community can counter that. In other words, community matters. Christian Century recently interviewed a pastor by the name of Mark, Mike Clark, who's a pastor in a little town, little church, little town, and, 
few years back, industry just kind of left the town, and, and as a result of that, drug addiction skyrocketed in the town, just took off. And so they interviewed this pastor about his church and what they were trying to do to address this problem of distance, right? Isolation, distance, drug addiction, skyrocketing. And what Clark says is that our church decided to open our doors to those in the community who want to seek recovery from their addiction. Never done that. We've never done anything like that before. And, and so here we find our, and so we've got this group now down in the basement in recovery and all the church folk are up in the sanctuary. <laughs> and we wanted to see how we could somehow bring those groups together. And of course what we found in doing this work with the, with the basement group, so to speak, is that if you're going to be in recovery, you have to get Honest. Recovery requires honesty, he says. If you're not willing to get honest with yourself, you're not ready to recover. And so what we did in trying to put these two groups together is we created what's called what we call a third space. It's not the not the church, churchy space, it's not the basement space, it's a third space. And we mixed the groups. We kind of just threw the two groups together that were willing to do it. And we started meeting and having these sessions. And the whole goal was simply to learn about each other's life situation. We went for about a month, he says. And we were basically sharing our spiritual journeys, our, our spiritual stories, our testimonies, talking about and sharing about our lives. And about the end of the fourth session, at the end of that session, one of the church ladies piped in at the end of that after this time of sharing had gone on. And she looked with this quite honest look on her face at the big guy sitting right next to her. And she said, well, I just need to, I just want to say something that I've, I, I've discussed. You've got a lot of tattoos. You're just covered in them. You're nothing like me. And yet, I've only known you four weeks and, and I've said things to you about my life that I have never shared with my best friends of 30 years. Why is that? What happened? Well, I can tell you what happened. Perhaps for the first time in her life, she actually felt safe. Something quite profound occurred in that group that allowed her to, to look around the circle and stop seeing the the group as, as drug addicts and goody-goody church folk and, and instead seeing that group as, as people, as, as equals, people just like her. I can tell you what happened. God began to close the distance. And let me tell you, when the distance between two people starts to fade away, that's when the magic starts 
That's when the healing begins. Where's your group? Where's your community? Who do you have in your own life that you are comfortable enough around to be completely honest about who you are and able to talk about the distance you feel? For some, it's their small group here at the church. For others, it's some things like the women's retreat. For others, it's, it's a pilgrimage weekend or youth group where is it for you you need it you know community matters the problem is really distance that's the problem But if we can name it, if we can actually accept that and own it, if we can get honest enough with ourselves to talk about it with someone else, then that's when healing can happen. For it is in those moments that Jesus himself, yes, Jesus, calls us out from the corners we've been paralyzed in for so long and begins to close the distance. He comes to heal after all. Now doesn't he?